Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of our series that we are beginning our season three with, and that is the Pitbulls and Bully Breeds, understanding them, figuring out why the judgments are there, all of the stuff. And if you listen to the other two, you'll see how misperception has led to the judgment and how that that can lead to inappropriate actions and decisions that don't really address the root issues. So I'm going to turn it over to Miranda and we are going to start talking about these things and how to better understand the environment that surrounds these beautiful dogs. So here's a question for you guys. Would you be willing to open yourself up to learning about and understanding another point of view instead of remaining attached to only your way of thinking? Because this is something that a lot of humans have the tendency to do. They get very attached to one idea and refuse to look at any other possibilities. This ends up preventing finding solutions. It prevents understanding and... It basically prevents things from getting resolved. So we need to learn how to listen to each other. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to 100% agree with somebody else, but we can at least try to understand where they're coming from. Agreed. When it comes to breed-specific legislation, fear is largely the main factor for pushing this decision forward, though control may be a part of it as well. If we look at the information that the public is receiving about dog bites and pit bulls, it's not very hard to see where people's fears are developing from. But did you know that pit bulls are not the only dogs that have been demonized? There have been other dogs that have been demonized in the past that have, I wouldn't say they have now become highly accepted breeds, but they are more accepted than they were back when they were demonized. And these dogs that I'm talking about are German Shepherds and Doberman Pinschers. Rotties too. A lot of people have very scary views on Rottweilers. Yes. And this demonization ended up occurring because of association of certain events, as well as misaligned beliefs. You know, those three dogs in particular have typically been used as protection dogs or guard dogs to guard a location or to guard animals or something like that. And there's been a lot of cases where these dogs have not been trained properly and they are mostly reacting from fear, not because they are trying to really protect whatever it was they were trained to protect. If they were well-rounded and well-trained, then when they were taken out of that protective situation, they should be able to socialize and interact normally with people and with other animals. Here we go. Back to the responsible training. (laughs) Yes. It seems to come up and up and up over and over and over again. (laughs) But again, I want to add, because I went on a rant, I think the last episode, that we humans 
create these scary creatures because some of these people who want these protection dogs, if they are not responsible, they end up basically abusing the animals emotionally, mentally, so that they have a hair trigger. Mm. We did that to them. That's not their nature. Mm -hmm. I won't get on a rant, but I just want to remind people that we humans tend to be the reason why people have these fears about these beautiful animals, because we've created that. And I think that's one of the challenges that comes up too, is that people may not be willing to look at themselves as being a potential part of the problem. And yeah, there could possibly be issues with the animal itself. You know, there's, you know, we don't have a perfect human being. We have human beings who do crazy things sometimes that we don't really understand why they're doing it. You know, some of the people are mentally ill. Some of them are not necessarily mentally ill. They just choose behaviors and actions that we just don't understand. And that can be harmful to others. And possibly that could be a certain aspect for dogs too. But I would say much more rarely for dogs than for humans, because humans consciously choose what actions they're taking most of the time. Animals don't consciously choose that. Animals, it's generally more reaction, that they're reacting to something either because they've been triggered by something that happened to them in the past, which is now triggering a fear of some sort, or they're reacting to something that is happening in the moment because maybe they're trying to protect their territory or they're trying to protect their human or something like that. That's generally the reason why they react or something is being done to them that they don't like, which is often the reason why children get bitten because children are usually doing something beforehand that the animal doesn't like and the communication is not understood. And so therefore, the bite is an escalation of that communication. It's just that we aren't seeing the prior communication because we're not understanding it. And that's the key part. We need to learn that earlier communication yeah. so that we can stop the situation separate the child and the dog or whoever from that situation before it gets to that point. Yeah. Responsibility is on us. We're the ones that have to understand. The dogs don't have to understand us, but we have to understand them. It literally is a one-sided thing and you can't expect an animal to get it. There's a lot of people out there that think that their animals should know better. Mm. Get off that little high horse there because the dog doesn't have to know better. You need to know better. You need to know how to understand your dog and understand what the dog is telling you. The dog doesn't have any responsibility in this matter. Remember that they're not human and they're not just going to automatically understand human ways and human beliefs and human ways of being. They will learn, obviously, they'll learn things, mm -hmm. but they're still a dog. They still have mm -hmm. an instinctual nature. They still have the elements that a dog was bred for. They still have different things. You cannot nurture that away. You just can't. You can nurture away the aggression. You can nurture away the trauma that an animal may have had, but you can't nurture away their instinct. So it's on us as humans to understand our dogs, period. Mm -hmm. And what leads to fear? Well, I think fear in a lot of people's eyes seems like a rational reaction that it's justified or whatever thought it is that comes into your mind about it. But it's often a result of not knowing enough, not understanding enough, and relying on certain sources only for information without digging any further to learn more. 
My feeling is that if we are not willing to search for information to make an informed decision on something as critical as this, then we really shouldn't be forming any kind of opinion because we simply don't know enough to form a legitimate opinion. Amen to that. (laughs) I agree with you. I agree with you. Totally. Yeah, one of the fears that tends to come up is that, you know, all pit bulls are susceptible to being aggressive and being fighters because they were bred for dog fighting. This is a misnomer. They were not bred for dog fighting. They were used for dog fighting. They were not bred for it. Dog fighting is not a part of the DNA. The pit bull label And we'll sort of say the American pit bull terrier in this example, because they're still largely used for dog fighting, unfortunately, at this point in time. This dog and this conglomerate of dogs, they were bred for their build, their strength, their tenacity, and their courage, which are all, in most cases, positive traits. The fighting aspect, however, was trained by humans. Harken back to what I was saying, that humans are the ones that created this idea or this environment these dogs now have to live. Mm -hmm. These dogs were not and are not naturally born fighters. They don't choose to do this. They're put in a situation where they feel like they have no other option. Mm -hmm. So these dogs, they are typically much more likely to attack if they feel threatened or stressed. Like we said, both of these are usually caused by humans, especially children. And it's not like we're trying to demonize children. Children are doing things that they don't understand. They don't realize that their actions are causing any discomfort to the animals that they're interacting with. They're doing it from a place of love. And yes, okay, there are certain dogs out there that can be very, very tolerant of the things that children do. But there are some dogs that are not going to be so tolerant. And that's what we have to keep in mind and not make these dogs as being bad because they're not willing to tolerate children continually doing things to them, like pulling their tail or hugging them really hard or pulling their hair. Trying to ride them like horses. Or that too. You know, it's like we have to teach our children how to behave around dogs and respect them. Because if we don't respect our animals, they are going to react. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, really, if you think about it for ourselves, It's like, okay, if somebody was, even if if it was a child who was like pulling on our hair and yanking on our ears and trying to always climb on us and stuff like that, are we going to just be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Or are we going to get to a point of like, no, this is enough. This is not acceptable. We try to redirect them or whatever the case may be. But most people are not going to just let their kids just do whatever to them. So why do we think it's okay to do that with animals? Mm -hmm. Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it's an animal, it should accept everything. No, because it's an animal, it won't. (laughs) (laughs) And unlike humans, they don't have the verbal communication to say, okay, stop you know, which a child can understand. Yeah. And a child's not going to, when they're, you know, messing with a dog or trying to play with a dog and the dog's not having it, the child is not going to interpret the dog moving away and looking back with don't touch me. They're going to go back at the dog and try to pet them because they're so soft and squishy and lovey and they're animals and they're all cute and all that stuff. So it's up to us as adults to teach the children in our lives that basic 
animal behavior. If an animal walks away from you and looks back and, and tries to get away, that is the sign that you tell your child, leave the dog alone. The dog has had enough right now. You can go back and play with them later. Just leave them be for right now. Simple things like that. Again, it is on us, our responsibility to understand the dog and be able to translate that information to our children. And I want to emphasize that this is not just in relation to dogs. This is for cats. This is for rabbits. This is for ferrets. This is for any of the pocket pets, like hamsters, gerbils, rats, or whatever, even like animals like cows and chickens and pigs and that this applies to every single animal that your child could end up interacting with. Yeah. And we've said this before that a dog does not attack unprovoked. Unless of course they have a mental disorder, which honestly animals are pretty stable for the most part. It's so rare to have an animal that has some type of mental defect. Most of the quote unquote defects that some of these animals have mainly come from neglect and trauma and early on in life. Mm -hmm. It's really rare for there to be a literal mental issue. It happens. I've had an autistic cat before. We've seen animals with Alzheimer's and certain dementias, but it is rare. Mm -hmm. So again, it's because of our lack of understanding of what the dog is communicating to us earlier on. Yeah, there's always a reason. Remember the dog bite, the physical aggression is always a last ditch effort for the dog to say, hey, enough. I don't like what you are doing. Back off. You know, we mentioned it at the end of our last episode that every dog has the potential for aggression towards humans, towards other animals. But what is aggression then? Aggression does not mean that they are attacking without reason or reacting without reason. It occurs when an animal does not feel safe or feels that their territory or family is being threatened. So if you find yourself in a situation and you see an animal, a dog reacting to you in an aggressive sort of way, back off and then ask yourself, why does this dog not feel safe with me coming nearer? Is it, am I coming too close? Am I too close to their territory? Like, is there something going on? Now, I mean, if you're across the street and it's still reacting aggressively, then that's probably an indication that the owners of that dog have not trained that animal appropriately because it shouldn't feel that their territory is outside of their yard area. And it shouldn't feel like it's threatened if you are not coming within their territory. So there are things that need to be looked at for that. It's up to us to provide a sense of safety for our canine companions and do our best to eliminate or reduce the triggers that could lead to these aggressive behaviors. It's just so important for us to learn and recognize animal body language and communication signals because this is going to be one of the really, really key aspects to preventing dog bites in the future dog attacks in the future. So when we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the misunderstandings or reasons that a dog might or an animal might attack, as well as having an understanding of what kind of training these dogs that are under the pit bull and bully breed labels, what kind of training and 
responsibility is needed when having these animals. Yeah, because I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't take into consideration. There's a lot of people out there that want to help these breeds. And thank you. We appreciate you. But sometimes they may not have all the information and they may not know certain things. They may just love animals so much that they saw a breed of animal that needs help. And so they're basically going in blind. Again, it is up to us to do what we need to do to understand these creatures the best way possible so we can work with them, so we can help them and help make this world safe for them. It's on us. I can't say that enough. It's on us. So take all we said, kind of sit with it, see how you feel. And when we come back, as Brandon said, we're going to talk about some of the things that we need to look at going forward. So we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. We hope you've been enjoying season three. It's been a great couple of years so far. Moraine and I just want to take a moment and thank you all for joining us on this journey and listening each and every week. We've got lots planned for you this season. Great interviews, great topics, and we're even building you a home on YouTube. If you want to help us out and be the first in line, just head to YouTube, look for the Animal Files podcast and hit that subscribe button. Or you can just head to the website www.theanimalfilespodcast.com. Calm. Now that that's out of the way, let's get back to the conversation. Welcome back and thanks for sticking with us. Today we are focused on the third part of our series about pit bulls and bully breeds. And we just talked about some of the key things that we need to know. And now we're going to go into it a little bit deeper so we can understand these animals better. So I'm just going to let Miranda continue on because she's been doing a lot of great research. So take it away. So in the first half, we mentioned about dogs not attacking without being provoked or animals not attacking without being provoked. And I think that is the biggest misunderstanding that people have is that animals will attack without being provoked. And that's just not the case. Just because we don't understand why a specific behavior happened doesn't mean there wasn't a valid reason for it. And that valid reason is not your valid reason. It's the animal's valid reason. Mm. We have to remember, these animals are individuals. They have their own brains and their own minds and their own wants and needs and desires and things that they want for safety. So it's their valid thing. Again, you are the one that needs to understand them. They don't have to understand you. Mm -hmm. So some of the possibilities that could lead to an aggressive behavior is it could be that they don't enjoy or like being handled very much. That could just be a preference of the dog itself. You know, you get some people who are not as social as others. You can get some dogs who don't want to be handled as much as others. It could be that they aren't feeling safe. We might not understand why they don't feel safe, but they just might not be feeling safe for some reason. It could be that someone is trying to take something away from them, some food, a toy, a stick. However, this behavior can be reduced or eliminated by early proper training. And that's basically just territory. Yeah. If the dog's got a stick. It's their stick. Leave their stick alone. <laughs> that's what their brain's saying. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, mine. Yeah, yeah. It could be that someone they don't really know or trust is in their territory. It could be that they are trying to protect their family. It could be that they feel a need to defend themselves, that they might feel threatened in some way. 
It could be that they are in pain or are sick and that animals are masters at hiding their illness. So their behavior could be one of the indications that something is going on. It could be that they are in a stressful situation or the situation feels stressful to them. And it's possible it could be a learned behavior that perhaps may have come from their mom, their early caregivers, or maybe from a traumatic past. Ultimately, they are perceiving a specific situation as some type of threat. We need to make sure that we understand animals do not interpret or experience the world in the same way as humans. That's a key piece right there. They don't think like you. They don't know what's going on in your brain. They have their own ways. And that's the instinctual part that I would mention in the first half. It's just the way they are. It's the way they're built. They just see things differently. Just like they don't see the world in full HD color like we do. It's the same basic thing. It's just how their brain works. Animals do display behaviors that let us know when we should back off. But unfortunately, most of the time, people have not become aware of these behaviors because they are usually a lot more subtle than a bite or a scratch. And so they don't recognize them. And there are courses, I think there may even be free courses that you can take where an animal behaviorist or an animal trainer will teach you how to recognize stress in an animal, how to recognize their body communication and their vocal communications. I highly, 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 highly recommend looking into something like that. (laughs) Even if you don't have a dog, so you know what to look for when you're out and about, or you go to a park and some human is not being responsible and letting their dogs roam free and off leash and all that stuff. If you can understand how they think, even if you're not a dog owner yourself, that'll help protect you and the dog as you walk through the streets of your town or your city. Mm -hmm. So let's go a little bit more into understanding the specific needs of the dogs that fall under the pit bull and bully breed labels. These dogs need to be trained and socialized at a young age because they generally have a lot of determination. This is not necessarily a bad thing, but it can make them very (laughs) one-minded. The proverbial phrase, the dog with the bone. (laughs) (laughs) They just had this one kind of a tunnel vision. Like if they want something, they want it. Mm. Cats are kind of similar. So, you know, it's probably why I like Pitbull so much because they have that. If they want something, they're going to keep going until they get it. And if they're not trained, that could eventually turn into a behavior issue. Mm -hmm. And because a lot of them have a larger size and a lot of strength, If they are not properly trained and socialized at a young age, they could become very difficult to handle otherwise. Sometimes it could be that they just become overly exuberant. You could end up having them like constantly pulling on a leash, for example, and you have no ability to rein them in. Or if they're like trying to get to something or someone, if you haven't trained or socialized them properly, you may not be able to rein them in and have any kind of control. They're like perpetually excited about everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they love everything. They're, it's like they look at the world with these like puppy-like eyes and just everything excites them and interests them. And if 
any of you guys out there have ever spent any time around a well-trained pit bull, you'll notice that when their tail wags, their entire body wags. <laughs> they are the most energetic, I think, of a lot of breeds. <laughs> they really are. I think exuberant is a good word, like you said, but I just, they just, they're balls of excitement. They're just like, what's a ball? I'm so excited. <laughs> so sweet. So cute. <laughs> and because pretty much all of these dogs have been bred to do some kind of work job of some sort, they're not going to get enough benefit from just a little bit of exercise. They are going to need plenty of exercise, plenty of socialization, and plenty of enrichment. And if you need to get a reminder of what enrichment is. Enrichment is activities that can both mentally and physically engage your animal because you can exhaust an animal physically, but if they're not mentally exhausted, they're much more likely to get into trouble and start having behavior challenges. Most of these dogs are crossed with a terrier, a bulldog, or any mix of these. Because of this, they are not recommended for new dog owners or any person who is not aware of or has not had experience with dealing with these types of dogs. This is why it's important for you to do your research before you get a dog and understand what it is you are getting. Because otherwise, you could end up with a dog that is going to have lots of behavior issues because you either don't have the time, the commitment, the ability, or whatever to work with these animals in the way that they need to be worked with and to fulfill the needs that they need. They require early and firm training as well as consistent training. So it's not like it's a one and done thing. Training has to be ongoing with reminders because they are very determined and independent-minded. That was the word, a phrase I was trying to think of. Oh yeah, <laughs> they are very independent. Like I said, they're very much like cats in a lot of ways. They just, they're their own people, really. They just are. We need to focus on socializing these dogs from a very early age so that they can learn how to interact appropriately with other people and animals. It doesn't mean that we have to force them to always be around people and animals, but we need to have them react appropriately, but we still need to pay attention to, okay, is this interaction causing them any kind of stress because maybe the other person or the other animal has not been trained appropriately and your dog could still end up reacting. Yeah. I want to add in right here, you know, all animals can be trained to interact with other animals, but with some of these pit bulls and bully breeds, because of the breeds that they are bred with, for generations and generations and generations, terriers are bred for hunting. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that there are plenty of pit bull breeds and bully breeds out there that get along with all animals. But you may get them because every animal is an individual that may chase, say, a cat around the house or may, you know, if you have a bunny or a house bunny or whatever, will chase because it's their nature. They're not being bad they're not being mean and they're not vicious because they do it is because you allowed the environment for their instinctual nature to come out 
they are hunters. A lot of these terriers were bred to be hunters, period, flat out. So smaller animals may not always do well when you have terriers around. Doesn't necessarily mean a pit bull terrier. It could be Yorkshire terrier. It could be a dachshund. It could be any other terrier. They are bred for hunting. So again, it's up to you to be responsible to understand your breed and to understand your dog at the instinctual level, as well as the interpersonal level, that relationship you have with them. If you want to have them in a multi-animal household, Mm. because a larger pit bull or a bully breed or any type of larger dog, if it has any type of terrier or hunting breed within the mix, they will even go for smaller dogs. Anything smaller than them that runs fast is going to trigger something. Yeah, depending on what percentage of terrier they have. Exactly. But like if you have a, a, just say not a bully breed or a pit bull, but you have a greyhound, okay? Or Italian greyhound or one of those sighthounds. They're bred to chase. It doesn't matter how well you train them. If they see a rabbit running across your yard, they're going to go for it because that's just what they do. Mm. And again, it's up to us to understand the breed that we choose. It's up to us to understand the dog, especially if you're going to mix it into a multi-animal household. I just want to make sure that people are safe, that like not every dog is going to be good with cats. Not every dog is going to be good with rabbits or pocket pets or ferrets or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to throw that in. And understand as well that you might have taken the responsibility to effectively train your dog, both in responding to your cues and also with the socialization aspect with other animals and other humans. However, that doesn't mean that other people have learned how to interact appropriately with your dog. And they may have not trained their dogs to be properly socialized or to respond to their cues. Because I've been to the dog park and I've seen dogs that will like be constantly like going and trying to sniff another dog's butt or, you know, engage with them some way. And the other dog isn't interested, but the person of that one dog will not call their dog off. So that can lead to problems as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of these pit bull and bully breed dogs that are prone to separation anxiety, and they do not deal well with being left alone. So they are not an appropriate dog to have if you are going to be leaving them in a crate or leaving them alone for eight to 12 hours while you're at work. Well, most dogs shouldn't really get left alone for that long. These dogs in particular. (laughs) They need their people. Yeah. And yeah, this is where kind of what you were going into, Victoria, was that there's a lot of them that have a strong prey drive, causing them wanting to chase things like squirrels, could be even just bags blowing in the wind. So it's often not a good idea to let them off leash where other dogs may be and only in areas where you are completely certain that your dog will respond to your cues. Yeah. Some of these pit bull and bully breeds can be very assertive and will challenge you particularly when they don't receive the proper training and socialization early on. So it is extremely important to set boundaries and keep reinforcing them. Mm -hmm. Some of these dogs are very active and highly intelligent. So if you're going to have one of these kind of dogs, it requires you to be equally active and willing to regularly mentally engage with your dogs. If you don't, your dog will get bored and they'll just do whatever they want because they're independent thinkers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So some of the undesired behaviors that could end up developing as a result of fear, you can help to reduce and manage these early on through the socialization, through the exposure to different situations. This will help to reduce onset of fears. And if you do start to notice them reacting in an undesired way to something, you can respond early on in an appropriate way to help reduce that and manage that. Again, it's our responsibility. So are you prepared for and are you willing to take on that responsibility that is necessary to properly train, socialize, and care for any of these pit bull or bully breeds? Are you willing to review at least one belief that you may have against these pit bull and bully breeds to see if it's really justified or is it actually just coming from a place of fear? Will you look into other sources other than media, social media, or other sources that may not have the accurate information to become more informed on this topic? Well, I hope after this podcast, you decide to do all of that (laughs) (laughs) because we need to be willing to help these animals. And the one way, especially with these particular breeds, is we need to change our own perception and we need to put aside predetermined beliefs about these animals without having the proper information. Mm -hmm. As you can see from what we were talking about with what these animals need, they are not the type of dog for somebody who does not want to spend the appropriate time with them, that they require a strong enforced training in regular engagement, mentally, physically, socialization, you know, these dogs do have a tendency to be able to develop behavior issues if they do not have the right kind of caregiver. You know, they're not like, a, I'm trying to think of like a, a type of dog that people could just kind of get away with and not do very much with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's any, I mean, there are dogs that are more apt to just love on our human without much, but they're all energetic dogs. So, I mean, most dogs need some form of training and you can have golden retrievers which are probably a little bit more on the chill side but again every dog is an individual Mm -hmm. they're a retriever they need to retrieve things that means they need activity so (laughs) i mean there are plenty of big dogs like great danes that would prefer to be a lap dog but they still need to be exercised they still need to have boundaries Yes. So I don't know if there is a dog breed out there that is a low maintenance dog. Yeah. Because even these little dogs that people think that they, I'll just get a small dog. It'll be easier. Um, No, most of them are terriers. (laughs) Most of them need a lot of activity. So (laughs) I honestly, I don't know if there's a breed out there that is like chill enough to just sit in your house and do nothing. Right. I guess you could say that these particular types of dogs are extremely high maintenance dogs. Yes, they are. So if you don't have the energy, the willingness, the time, the capacity, whatever the case may be to provide that necessary maintenance. Get a fish. (laughs) (laughs) But even then, if you don't, uh, yeah. True. (laughs) They still die if you don't take care of them properly. (laughs) Yes, but they'll be fine after 12 hours in the office. So (laughs) as long as you feed them once a day, they're good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
they'll entertain themselves within their little confined spaces. But again, <laughs> boundaries. Fish have boundaries. Yes, they're physical boundaries, but they have boundaries. <laughs> so, I joke. I joke. But seriously, if you don't have the time or the willingness to spend on some of these more active breeds of dogs, then you need to reassess your life and see what animal can fit into your schedule and fit into your lifestyle. That's the first step of being a responsible pet owner. It's never a good idea to get a dog based on their looks or your idea of what they are supposed to be. If you don't fully understand what you're getting, you could end up with problems. Yeah. And other people could end up with problems as a result of that. Yeah. So this has been a lot of information. Hopefully these last three episodes were very informative for you. We are going to be bringing some tough subjects because we are the Animal Files and we expose the truth, the science and the spirituality of pet care. So you are going to hear things that you may not have heard before, or we may be a little bit confronting to tell you like, dude, it's your responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do here at the Animal Files. So hopefully you take all of these things, especially if you're looking to be a pet owner or you are a pet owner, especially with these bully breeds and these pit bull type breeds, and you know maybe add them into your training and add them into your thinking and be able to create the environment that these dogs so desperately need to thrive. And if you have any questions, you can always email us at the Animal Files Podcast at gmail.com. We also have our website, which is the Animal File Podcast.com. See, we keep it easy for you. But you can get all of our social links. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel that's going to be coming in the near future. You can also support us by buying merchandise, donating, and joining our Patreon. We have lots of ways for you to reach out. Our goal here at the Animal Files is to help your animal thrive the best way we can. And the best way we see is through education. So do we have anything else that we want to uh, give the people at home before we sign off for this week? I think we have just about covered it. I don't know if there's any further information we could give. But, you know, things are always changing. So there could be more things that come up as we go along over the next months and years. But I think as it stands for now, we've given you pretty much all the goods. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good way to start off season three, huh? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see you all next week on the Animal Files podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.